Good evening, Patriots. And it's Sunday, May 8th in the year 2022. And I hope everybody had a blessed Mother's Day weekend and Mother's Day with family. I spent my day butchering a cow, which was good. A bull, actually. Well, it was a bull. Now it's going to be steaks. <laughs> I have to use the proper tense because it's not a bull anymore. All right, Patriots, before we begin tonight, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. And to get a good night's sleep, you need good products to get a good night's sleep with. And where do you get those products? MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com. These are the best pillow products, sleep products on the market. If you head over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards and you check out the Bards Nation landing page with all the latest specials, you're going to find out that there's an incredible sale going on right now. Buy one, get one free. All sorts of incredible savings on buy one, get one free products at MyPillow.com. Things like bed sheets, buy one, get one free. Giza Elegance, my pillows, buy one, get one free. The list just goes on. And in addition to that, there's also the regular fantastic savings. And what are those? Those things like Giza cotton sheets on sale, 60% off. My slippers, 50% off. All the things you need to make a perfect night's sleep. And right now when you use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, you'll get a copy of Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds? His story from going from addict to one of America's greatest CEOs included complimentary with every order. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash BARDS. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. If you'd like to speak to a breathing, living person, call 800-975-2939. 800-975-2939, and use your promo code again, BARDS, to get totally hooked up, and you will not be disappointed. They will set you up with the best products out there. So, you know, I was thinking today a lot about trust, something we are not doing well with right now. And a lot of the optics are obviously on the Democrats in terms of trust. But... Trust is not exclusive, or I should say the lack of trust is not exclusive to the Democrats. The lack of trust is just pretty much at the core of what we are and what we have become as a nation. I don't know if you've been tracking what's going on at Lake Mead. It's kind of an entry point for this tonight. The waters are receding at Lake Mead, and of course... You know, you always have the people saying, it'll never return. It's over. Lake Mead will never fill up again. It's done forever. There's not going to be any more snow either. And all the plants are going to die. And we're going to die. You know these people. The same people that are telling you you're not going to eat meat anymore. It's just insane. But Lake Mead is low, and what's really disturbing is what they're finding at the bottom of the lake. So check this out. Third discovery has been made at Lake Mead. This shit is crazy. Most of us saw the news about the first discovery at Lake Mead last Sunday, but if you haven't, let me catch you up. After finding the first man in the barrel with the Kmart fit, a news crew found another barrel a few days later while reporting on the first one, but this one did not contain anything inside. Then two former Las Vegas police officers offered up $5,000 for each future finding. A third discovery occurred on Saturday, May 7th, around 2 p.m. after a witness reported it to the park rangers. But something tells me the story isn't finished as the lake's water line continues 
continues to recede to record lows, how many more bodies are we going to see and what else is under there? Oh, that's the mystery. What's under the water? What's under the water? I don't think I don't think there was ever a cute post that said watch under the water. <laughs> there should have been. I had, I sent a so I sent a note to Q. Make an addendum. You should have written what's under the water. Watch under the water. That'd be good. Now, just there's bodies under there. I'm sure we're gonna find all sorts of creepy stuff. You know this. You're gonna have to find some cement shoes. Probably find Jimmy Hoffa down there too. Finally discover where he is. I actually I got a story on, on Jimmy Hoffa once, and by some guys that say they were in the know. Who knows? But it sounds plausible to me. Apparently, Jimmy Hoffa, after they took care of him, and everybody's been wondering where he's at. I've heard actually two stories. One is that they put him in the footing of a big building, which <laughs> poured concrete on him. That's possible. You'd be like, where's Jimmy Hoffa? Well, he's helping hold up the new building down in South Florida. That's awesome. And then there's the other part of Jimmy Hoffa, which apparently – Another story goes around that they made him snack for an alligator family. That's also possible. Man, I'll tell you what. If you have not been in South Florida, well, you don't even have to be in South Florida. You can go to Central Florida. The alligators down there, that's some crazy, I'm telling you. One of the coolest stories with alligators was when I was living down there. And there was a playground nearby. And I looked out one day and I was in student housing with my ex-wife. And I was watching these men standing around all kind of, and these are all guys that have been taking too, too many steroids, you know, like lifting a lot of weights at the gym. Too many steroids to make themselves look bigger. <laughs> and the best part about this is they're all standing around in this circle. And they're and they're all kind of trying to act tough but not sure what to do. And they keep kind of jumping back. And I'm like, what's going on? So I cruised on over there to take a peek. And there was a alligator. It's about 10 feet long. Smaller one. It's kind of a baby. I was snapping and hissing at him when they'd come near. And so these guys are all kind of trying to act tough. And this Australian woman that was a neighbor in the area, and she was about, and these guys are all about 5'11 to 6'2 range. And they all can probably bench about 280, something like that. <laughs> this woman from Australia comes up, and she's about 5'2. And she comes up, and she just pushes the guys aside. She goes, excuse me. And she reaches down and just grabs the alligator by its snout and grabs the alligator by the tail and says, thanks, see you a bit later, and walks right off the edge of the parking lot and throws it into the bushes. <laughs> you ever want to see some egos? Just You just hear it go like this. That was it. No more egos. It's pretty impressive, I tell you. Just right out of the outback, I'm telling you. So who knows what we're going to find in all these lakes if they dry up. We'll find Jimmy Hoffa served on a platter for alligators and who knows what else. But Fort Lake Mead is 
another one of these issues of strange climate issues and strange things going on. We've been getting a ton of rain in Oregon, which is good, but it's also a pretty cool spring. In spite of the fact that they dumped plane tons of spray in the atmosphere above us leading up to this, which is interesting. But anyway, a little bit off track there, I'd say, because that has nothing to do with trust, but we'll get back to that. So trust. Trust is really kind of at the center of a lot of this weekend for me, because we're really, when you reflect on it, what's the one thing that I hope everybody had the experience of having in your life? The one person you should be able to trust in your life is your mother. And that's that relationship that comes about by birth. But one of the biggest lies that we currently live in right now is the RV Wade light. So take a listen to this. What is the true story of Roe v. Wade? In the 1960s, a 21-year-old Norma McCorvey had become pregnant for the third time. She purported to have been assaulted by a gang of black men. She wanted an abortion, but they were illegal in Texas. She got the attention of high-profile lawyer Gloria Allred, whose daughter Lisa Bloom would later represent Harvey Weinstein. As you already know, they would go on to win in court. What you probably haven't heard is that McCorvey would later go on to admit she made up the assault allegations. It never happened. She was an addict and didn't care for truth. McCorvey, Roe, would go on to find faith and spend the rest of her life fighting against abortion because even the worst lies can be forgiven. And here's another little added piece to that. It's stunning. So she was... John F. Kennedy was murdered in Dallas, Texas. She was from Dallas, Texas. So I want you to just kind of, I'm going to put this in frames of the spiritual war we're in and the whole undermining of trust. So we lost trust. And as a nation, we suffered one of the biggest betrayals in trust with the assassination of John F. Kennedy. We really just it should say murder because assassination sounds politically nice or cool or something, but it's, he was murdered in cold blood. So John F. Kennedy was murdered and the nation suffered one of its biggest blows to trust. And then what followed was Roe versus Wade. And that also occurred in Dallas. I just think, let that sink in a minute because out of the epicenter of a dark event, one of the darkest events in our history, Murdering somebody, murdering a nation's leader isn't just a coup, which it was. It was a coup d'etat. But it leaves an, an amazingly spiritual dark stain on a nation. And that shock, as we begin to understand the, the way this Luciferian order works, they create these echoes of pain. That's part of creating COVID so that it these echoes of pain and the loss that people feel with their families, the separation of their children, the fear that they suffer, it creates an echo of this sort of memory that stays with people and shapes them for generations. And that was the effect of John F. Kennedy, is that by destroying him, they create a trauma which shatters an entire generation. And on the heels of that, so to speak, out comes Roe versus Wade, which does what? Roe versus Wade leads to the murder of over 60 million babies. You start to see how dark this war is? 
and the nation that suffers this biggest blow of trust in with the assassination of John F. Kennedy then suffers one of the greatest blows to trust with God as we endorse, accept, tolerate, have it forced down our throat that abortion is okay. And on top of that, the whole medical institution goes into overdrive to promote abortion as a viable solution. So that's the nation that's that I can't really overstate the the point of the trust blow though because it's a trauma. And a nation in trauma is no longer going to see clearly. I mean, at that point, it's like, who do you trust in politics? And, of course, look at the entire 60s generation. With the murder of John F. Kennedy, as he was about ready to, one of the big things he was about ready to do was get us out of Vietnam. He was also about ready to repivot the dollar back to a sovereign currency based on silver. There's a number of things that was going on. He had a lot of things he was about ready to gear up to do. And, no, he was not a saint by any means. But he did have a lot of things on his docket he was going to try to do for the nation. And so you put the nation through layers of this trauma, the loss of a president. We just come out of the fear of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And then the whole cultural revolution explodes across the 60s as the hand puppets of the CIA, like Jim Morrison and like Kurt Cobain, which is later, though. He's later. All these people that were sons of CIA operatives start to create, with the backing of the CIA, this cultural revolution and drug revolution and drugs and sex and, and free love and all this stuff. And it was a complete attack in the midst of a trauma event. They just attacked full force to rupture all the values and everything that we trusted and ultimately our trust in God as a nation. All of that happened in a 10-year span of one decade. And then that is what reset us, kind of set us in the direction of being pliable into this current day. And they did the same thing with COVID, just a little different form. But the tools of, of control are many. And at the core of our foundation of trust is a nurturing relationship we have with our parents. And it's such, and in particular, our mother. The trust issue with with our mothers is is fundamental. It's it's not just, it is is it's really an unspoken. But look at how they have attacked that institution, that relationship, that sacred bond. Because now, I I can't imagine what a mother would say now, and I'm talking about modern mothers that have some of these kids have had have openly bragged about having three, four, five abortions. What do you say to your child then? What type of trust do you have the ability to share if you're if you ever if you're going to be honest with your child? The answer is there is none. And that's kind of the whole core of this is to me as I look at the Roe v. Wade Roe you know Roe v. Wade issue, the fact that it was built completely on a lie, no irony that the same the daughter of her of her attorney was the same was the attorney that defended Jeffrey Epstein. So you can kind of see this whole linkage. They've been attacking at the very trust and the more critical trust of the relationship to our families, 
through the abortion. And then as they attack that trust, they attack the trust we have in God. It's powerful. So as we look at where we are right now, we have to ask ourselves an honest question. And that is quite literally, what can we trust? And we don't end up with many things. Can you trust your food? I would hope most people would say probably not. Can you trust the medical institutions? No. Can you trust an attorney? That's a given. No. Can you trust education systems or teachers? No. Can you trust government? That's a a candid no. Can you trust that your taxpayer money will be used in a good and equitable fashion for the betterment of the nation? No. So what happens when we start to get down to where we can't trust relationships? Because ultimately, what I believe is when we start to dig into Roe versus Wade and really get into the legalization of abortion, which changes the fundamental keystone in in the relationship between mother and an offspring, child. When you've attacked that, there is a seed of doubt that is put into every single child for eternity, as long as you have it. Think about that. Because then a child has to ask, as you begin to understand what abortion is and how abortion is mainstreamed, it's like, I wonder if my mother would really loves me or if she had to, if she had to just keep me. Would she have aborted me? And you see this reflected in our children today. And this is the sickness of what comes out of Dallas. And I, and I go back to the John F. Kennedy trauma followed by this trauma. It was a series of two massive traumas that hit our nation. And, of course, we know the roots of abortion and Planned Parenthood. It was designed in the, its origins to destroy the black culture, to eradicate it, in fact. But they did better than that when they mainstreamed abortion because they've created, they broke the trust bond. And I think that we could arguably take back the, the, this, the destruction of the family or the slow crumbling of the family back to Roe v. Wade, which is a very sad event in that sense that one person who was a drug addict who accepted money to, and accepted to give lies on behalf of something that never happened. And though she repented, yes. And she accepted Christ, yes, she did. And she then fought against abortion for the rest of her life. The fact of the matter is that the corruption in the moment of money and the influence of drugs with some very dark handlers with some very deep and dark objectives, struck a blow at this nation that will take a long time to heal because it's ripped away that sacred relationship of life and mother. 
I picked up 11 head of cow, 11 cows today. Well, I had them delivered to the property yesterday. And I went over and I was checking them out today. There's eight cows, three calves. And then there's eight of those mothers. At least five of the eight are pregnant. So it's because the three already carried and, and already had their calves this spring. And then the five others are already pregnant and they're going to, they'll probably bear offspring here in the next three to four weeks. And I just watched the relationship with them today. And that was the second time today because this morning when we harvested the one bull, I was we were right in the middle of the whole herd, which was about, I don't know, probably close to 30 head of cattle. And I was just watching this interaction, but in particular this afternoon. And it was just looking at how the mother and the calves there's a there's just such a, a relationship there. It's unspoken, they're not speaking words. But the mother the the cow is taking care of the calf, always, tending to it, watching out for it. Knows where it is. There's a loving bond that doesn't and it is in an animal sense, it is a loving bond. I don't know if you've ever pulled a calf from a mother when they have to wean it and separate it the mother will call out for its calf all night long and it will go on sometimes for a couple days looking for its calf as a side note on this today when we harvested the bull you just put a shot between its eyes and it drops and it's very clean very sudden but you have to step back because typically you don't do it in the herd. The way we did it today, we needed to harvest the bull. It had to be done today and did it in the middle of the herd. But typically you try to pull them away from the herd. But this is what happens next. Most people don't ever know this. The cows all come around and say goodbye. You have to step back because they all have to come up and nudge it and say goodbye. And then one of the other bulls has to call out. And it's like a bull. It's like a song. And then once that once they've all had their chance to say goodbye, then they move on. It's no big deal. My point being is that there's a real there's a ritual that they have in a native sense to who they are of death. And there's a nurturing that's built within the animal kingdom that in looking at cattle or looking at any animal, that there's a a, a nurture and cherish life. They mothers mourn for the loss. Of a, of a newborn, whether it's a cub, whether it's a, a calf, whatever that is. There's a video going around earlier of a mama bear with four or five young black bears in somebody's backyard. And I, I was, I, seriously, before the show, I was cracking up because you'd think that these black bears were teenagers. One's on the swing. Three of them are in the, two of them are in the pool with mother bear. 
Another one's literally going down the slide in the backyard. They're just playing around, and it's normal. And I bring all this up because what's critical to all of that is the calf, the cub, whatever that relationship is, there's a trust in the mother that the mother will protect it, and the mother, that is the mother's role. And there's not a question of about whether she's going to keep the calf or not. She, she, it's instinctive to her to nurture. Good moms know that. Good moms live for that. But what's happened to us as a humanity that we simply, we are literally arguing for the murder of children. And I go to this place that, again, that this minority that seized control of an emotional issue with people that were stepping away in the 60s, away from God, being influenced by the love and drugs culture, somewhere along the way, these people had had a fractured relationship of trust with their mother, my opinion. But what's become as a nation is that fracture is has left us literally separated from the most important part and gift that we absolutely have. And that's the relationship with our mothers. We have a real problem in our country to heal. And it's a heavy burden when you really think about it. And when you watch the animal kingdom and see how they just go about birth as a wonderful part of their life. Why have we fallen to such a point that birth is a burden? And I know the answer, actually. Because the answer is that we've seen the rise of the religion of me. What I want. What I need. And all of that roots right back to the garden the trickery, and the acceptance at the, at the tree. It's very sad when we see this. And as we talk about the many things that are ahead in our country, we have to give some deep reflection to what's realistic in terms of us healing as a nation. At some point, we have to get in order for us to heal, we have to see truths, and we all agree on that. But these truths have to get more than just facts. We have to start looking at the darker side of truth, the impact of the lie and the acceptance of the lie as a truth. Hopefully, when a person accepts Christ in their life, they accept that as part of the journey. But not everybody does because it's accepting Christ in life is kind of like, mm, good, I got it. For some, not all. It's like, got Christ in my life, everything's good, I'm good. And I, you see this because you'll see a, a person who accepts Christ as a new follower will be highly energized. It's like, life is good. And then they hit the difficult things in life. Maybe it's the job. Maybe it's going back and hanging out with their old peeps. Maybe it's the addiction that they were dealing with. Maybe... Maybe it's just family life because now you, you're changed. 
And that means all the relationships around you have to manifest and change. And that means we have to go back to reestablishing trust in who the person is. And unfortunately, without a good network of support, many people fall off that relationship with Christ and go back and become what they were. And that leaves, again, a major stain on trust in the relationship when someone says, for example, I've accepted Christ. And you're like, oh, you know, you know, you run into this. People are like, oh, you're one of those. The whole point of this discussion is how important trust in the consistency of our relationships are and how impactive a single event, a court decision, Roe versus Wade, that led to the millions of children being aborted, how absolutely deeply destructive it is. Our churches, too many of them, have not hit this topic hard or hard enough. They'll speak out at the pulpit, but that's about it, and then they go on. It's like another topic. And right now, there's not many churches out here right now. There's some, but I would say that a lot are not really hitting this topic hard enough. Let me put it like that. This is central to everything that we are as a country, Roe versus Wade. Leak, no leak, whatever. Roe versus Wade, as we can see from the left, is a frothing, rabid, experience to watch it stripped away from them, to watch the right for them to kill children pulled away. They are literally frothing at the mouth over this, wanting to burn buildings down and fight people and declare war and all this other stuff because they've lost the right, which they don't frame it like this. They frame it as they've lost the right to control their body. And always in that discussion, there's a missing point of apparently their mother didn't find that need to abort them because they're still here. But their right to abort something that is not even them, it's it's a new life. And that's why they work so hard to talk about how it's just a clump of cells. Child doesn't, there is no, there is no life at consumption, conception, all these things. They work to dehumanize it. So they can justify the whole concept of the religion of me. But ultimately, we can't exist as a nation like that. And I think if we're honest with one another and we look at where we are as a nation right now and we look at the dismal state that we're in right now, we're here to a large degree because of Roe versus Wade. And I, for some, that may seem like a big leap. For me, it's not because the center, the spiritual center of our nation has to be sacred. And part of that sacred aspect of the spiritual center of our nation is that we have to cherish life. Real mothers cherish life and pass that and do that on to their children, meaning that they protect them, they nurture them. So sadly, when we see the state of affairs here and we see the rise in particular of LGBTQ, which such a perversion. I mean, the whole concept of parenting and mothering and nurturing is just put in a blender and like, like put in a blender, stir and add gasoline or something. I mean, it's just horrible. 
we, we just have been, the whole principle of the mother is lost. And even worse, and women, I put this at you because I, I will challenge all of you in the, everyone, but in particular, I challenge women to do this because I have been, and I have been for some time. And this is why I'm passing the challenge over to you. How is it that the rights and this fight of the war for women, how is it that so many of the figures that people look at were in fact men? They were gender flippers for a long time. And I, the part that puzzles me, and I will say this, is women have amazing instincts and women know women, so I'm not really sure how gender flippers got in mixed in with women and women didn't stiff that one out. I really don't. Men, we're dumb, just so I say it. We're, we're, we're pretty easily fooled, and especially if it's coming to, like, a woman. It, <laughs> men are dumb. Okay, I mean, I'm putting my, I mean, we, we're easily tricked. I'm not excluding myself because we see a woman that looks nice and we'll be like, oh, look at that. And then pretty soon you're like, oh, I'm like, oh, that was a man. That's kind of what I'm getting at. But just horrible. You're like, oh, you got you to grab for the Listerine and start gargling or something. You're like, ugh. We're not good at, we're not really good at picking it out, but women you are. And I, I'm, I'm really kind of amazed. Um, at how many of the gender flippers have moved into the women's movement to lead. And of course, once they get in place and then they start bringing up all their other gender flippers around them. So they kind of create this movement of cult. I think what it ends up happening is it's kind of like this, the influence of a lot of this comes from the, taking the weak and the sheeple in the women and drag them along. And then what's the one group that always stays strong? And it, it, we always come back to it. It's always those that have a tight relationship and a wonderful relationship with Christ and with God. So our biggest fight that we have, in my opinion, ahead is to reestablish trust in our nation, trust at a very central and primal way, the trust in the relationship between the mother and the child. And it's for that reason that I think we have to be so absolutely relentless on this fight against Roe versus Wade because it's challenging the fundamental trust that God intended, which is the building block, one of the critical building blocks of the family. Roe versus Wade, to me, is probably bigger than this, and it gets into the the lefts the the well the accursed cult which is in this kind of luciferian cult this is this gets into black magic and this gets into to spells and it gets into curses which whether or not you i'm not saying you should believe in those but i am telling you they do i always tell you this it's irrelevant of whether we see it they believe it. And the problem is there's some evidence to show that they have impact. And I think that they have impact in particular with people that are not rooted and anchored in their loving Christ because it's easy to pull people in. There was a pedophile in my neighborhood when I was in my teens 
He worked for the water company. And I found him one day. He had molested a kid down the street. And I caught him at the doing his delivery of, of nasties, meaning he was dropping some porno material off. And I slammed him up against the wall and put a knife to his throat. And I, and I told him I was going to, next time I saw him up there, I'd just kill him. And I had no problem with that. Still don't. But it's interesting how literally, and I as I look back on that incident, because I didn't have the awareness of the, the dark demon, demonic space, he literally, and I'm not kidding, he started spitting like like a demon spitting and started screaming how he's going to put a curse on me, which I laughed at, but still. These people are dark and messed up. And when you start to break, you get into the powers of Roe v. Wade and you get into the powers of what it's doing it's opening up the place for the, the for the power magic, the dark magic, this curse to settle in on society. So really, our fight is not just it's fundamental. I mean, it's we're preserving life, God's gift, but it's bigger than that, in my opinion, because I I think we're literally like clipping the dark wings off of this shadow beast that's hanging over Dallas and this nation. And I think that's part of the reason we're finding so much outrage to it because it has found its way through the destruction of the of the child. It's found its way into the womb of women. That's kind of a strange way of putting it, but I don't think I'm wrong. Because so many now are obsessed. There's too many that are obsessed with this idea of I don't want it so it shouldn't exist. That's not normal. And I go back to the example of the animal kingdom. They mourn the loss of their ch- of a baby. They nurture a baby instinctively, and there's a joy. You can literally witness it. If you're around the animals, you can see the joy they have in having a young one around them that they carried. And I'm I know this gets a little esoteric, but nonetheless, it's just something I'm kind of kind of leave here tonight. I think that when we get into the the murder of millions of unborn and the acceptance and mainstreaming of it in our culture, there's some sort of darkness that settles into the womb of many women, and that darkness is it's like it something that should never be a choice. That is, the, whether you carry a child or not suddenly becomes a choice because it's your body, your choice. Crazy. And that we begin, to, as we look at it like that, we begin to realize that what happened in Roe Ro versus Wade following the trauma of the assassination of a president, the murder of a president, has taken the single act of trauma and it's and it's perpetuated it over generations so that the trauma of murder becomes part of the founding stones of the form of country we currently have that is the darkness for me that Roe versus Wade represents it's not a stretch in my opinion 
but it's one of the greatest reasons that not only do we need to stop Roe versus Wade at every state forever and in every county and every city forever, meaning no abortions, but then we have to seek that, re- that true repentance for a nation to truly heal that very dark and wicked wound. Remember what I read the other day. If we were to take a moment of silence for every child that has been aborted since abortion was legalized, we'd be in silence for 100 years. Think about that. We have to bring light to the darkness. And so on this day, the closing weekend of Mother's Day, as we kind of close out the Mother's Day weekend, I would just say, hopefully, you had an incredible mother. I did. And for each one that did, or whatever your relationship with your mother, just cherish that and let us all pray for the bringing of that beautiful, loving spirit back into this nation and back into this world and expunge this nastiness of abortion. It's just disgusting. What a what a thing to pray for and what a what an amazing healing that could bring about if we could truly get to that place where abortion was no longer an accepted practice and we truly healed the wound that this nation carries. Let's pray. Father, it's a very contemplative night tonight. Thank you for this time. And just thanking you for the blessings of the reminder of all that's in our world that truly does cherish the newborn. We have amazing mothers in our, in our country and we have amazing mothers around the world that are the symbols of strength and the, one of the great footings of faith in our world. And we have the animals and that you've created to remind us of that instinctive nature and beauty of just birth and the cycle of life and the nurturing again of mothers. So Father, I just pray to we pray tonight for this nation of so many that are seem to be consumed in the darkness of thinking that murdering a child is okay or that it's a choice and going through such an impact to dehumanize the moment of conception and birth or of, of life. Father, if there's a prayer that we would, I would hope that we would all join in tonight would be the prayer that for all to truly be touched by the power of life, the joy of life, and the realization that at conception, Truly, that magnificent moment of creation is sparked. And to give that feeling of power and that feeling of joy of the conception into all people's hearts. I don't know how we get through this, Lord. I I say this not because you can't heal it, because we know you can. I just think that myself, like many, as we look at the daunting darkness that's been laid on this nation with 60 to 70 million abortions. We, we pray for repentance and for mercy on this nation. 
and just pray for the that weight to touch everyone's hearts. Let it touch us all because the weight of that truth transforms. And let us return as a nation again to valuing life, to being excited about the birth of children, to celebrating the birth of children in our communities and in our in our tribes. Let us celebrate what it is that you gave us to live in this world boldly and wonderfully and nurture and experience life to its fullest with all its joy and love that it can that it can offer. So thank you for our mothers. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. I didn't really intend to get that heavy tonight, but I, I just has been on my mind all day. Just about trust and really looking at something that's so native to animals and that trust and that nurturing bond, like I said, and yet it's become so seemingly difficult for so many in our world. It, we shouldn't be in a place when we're given dominion over all things in this world where we literally have to go to look at animals to go like, oh, well, look at them. They get it, but we don't. But whatever it takes, I'll just say that life is beautiful and the cycle of life is full. And I think that the frailness of life and the suddenness of life becomes very real when you're around it a lot. And you realize how precious every moment is. And when you spend time with your parents and see them age, you appreciate all that they are for the time we have them. And when we lose a parent, it's that reflection of how much they've given and too often how much we would have liked to do done more. So with that said, carpe diem, live for the moment, embrace it fully, cherish those that are around you, build the healing bridges with the family members where you can, sometimes we can't, but enjoy our friends and enjoy our families as much as we can because life in the end is short. It really is. And it goes by quickly. And it can end very suddenly. Have a blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Dig into some prayers for our nation right now. Our nation needs a lot of prayers on healing. It's tough. We really have a damaged core, and we have to heal it. And we need to keep our prayers up that Roe versus Wade is ended at a federal level and that we also pray for the continuing fight to ensure that it ends at the local level too. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we're here in this time, in this place, 
for just such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee, 1 p.m. Pacific. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now.
sometimes when belonging becomes something to find. We always come back to what we know. Keep it close on the cold days, darling. Counting all the ways where you are safe, place to hide.